Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar, and this is going to be episode 202 of The Informed Catholic. Episode 202. Uh, please subscribe and share if you enjoy this podcast and you think I'm doing a good job. It would be a great help. So uh, let's continue in uh, our look into Advent. Uh, we're in the first week of Advent, and I'm going to do the readings uh, for, uh, we're going to, we're going to do a, a, a few. Um, I didn't, I didn't get a chance to do yesterday's, uh, which was Tuesday's and I'm going to do today's as well. And we're going to go look into, look into an article. So let's begin with a prayer in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Antiphon, be comforted, be comforted, my people. Your salvation comes quickly. Why with grief are you consumed? For sorrow has stricken you. I will save you, fear not, for I am the Lord, I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Redeemer. Drop dew, you heavens from above, and let the clouds rain the just one. O God, who gladdens us by the annual expectation of our redemption, grant that we who receive with joy your only begotten Son, as our Redeemer, may behold him without fear when he comes as our judge, even the same Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you forever and ever with the Holy Spirit. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay. Now, this was supposed to be Tuesdays, but I'm going to read it. And then after I read the scriptural passages, I'll do the article in the middle, and then I'll go to Wednesday's uh, scripture readings. Antiphon, behold, the Lord will come, and all his holy ones with him, and on that day there will be a great light. Look favor, Lord God, on, your, on our petitions, and in our trials grant us your compassionate help, that Consoled, that consoled by the presence of your Son, whose coming we now wait, we may be tainted no longer by the corruption of our former ways. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from Isaiah, chapter 11, verse 1 to 10. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. A reading from the Holy Prophet of the book of Isaiah. On that day, a shoot shall sprout from the stump of Jesse, and from his roots a bud shall blossom. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, a spirit of wisdom and, under, and of understanding, a spirit of counsel and of strength, a spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be the fear of the Lord. Not by appearance shall he judge, nor by hearsay shall he decide, but he shall judge the poor with justice and decide aright for the lands afflicted. He shall strike the ruthless with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Justice shall be the band around his waist, and faithfulness a belt upon his, his, his hips. Then the wolf shall be a guest of the lamb, 
and the leopard shall lie down with the kid. The calf and the young lion shall browse together with a little child to guide them. The cow and the bear shall be neighbors. Together their young shall rest. The lion, sh the lion shall eat hay like the ox. The baby shall play by the cobra's den. And the child lay his hand on the adder's lair. There shall be no harm or ruin on all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the Lord, as waters cover the sea. On that day, the root of Jesse set up as a signal for the nations. The Gentiles shall seek out, for his dwelling shall be glorious. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The response psalm is from Psalm 72, and the response is, Justice shall flourish in his time, and fullness of peace forever. O God, with your judgment endow the king, and with your justice the king's son. He shall govern your people with justice, and your afflicted ones with judgment. Justice shall flourish in his time, and fullness of peace forever. Justice shall flower in his days, and profound peace till the moon be no more. May he rule from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. Justice shall flourish in his time, and fullness of peace forever. He shall rescue the poor when he cries out, and the afflicted when he has no one to help him. He shall have pity for the lowly and the poor. The lives of the poor he shall, he shall save. Justice shall flourish in his time, and fullness of peace forever. May his name be blessed forever, as long as the sun, his name shall remain. In him shall all the scribes of the earth be blessed. All the nations shall proclaim his happiness. Justice shall flourish in his time, and the fullness of peace forever. Alleluia, alleluia. Behold, our Lord shall come with power. He, sh he will enlighten the eyes of of his servants. Alleluia, alleluia. Reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus rejoices in the Holy Spirit. Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit, and he said, I give you praise, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. For although you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned, you have revealed them to the childlike. Yes, Father, such has been your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one, no one knows who the Son is except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wishes to reveal him. Turning to, his, turning to the disciples in private, he said, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I say to you, many prophets and kings desire to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. The gospel of the Lord praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, so let's begin the article. <clears throat> All right, so uh, let's look at this article. Um, it's from Learn Religions by Scott P. Richard. Updated, it's from June 25th, 2019. So a little, um, 
I guess you can say over two years now. It's um, all right. Let's begin. In the Catholic Church, Advent is a period of preparation extending extending over four Sundays before Christmas. The word Advent comes from the Latin word advanio, to come to, and refers to the coming of Christ. And the term, the coming, includes three references. First of all, to our celebration of Christ's birth at Christmas. Second, to the coming of Christ in our lives through the grace and the sacraments of Holy Communion. And finally, to his second coming at the end of time. Our preparations, therefore, should have all three comings in mind. We need to prepare our souls to receive Christ worthy. I like this because it has, um, I'm going to stop here for a minute. Uh, it has a very triune kind of uh, look to it because really Christ came, Christ being God, came and dwelt among us as a man as a human being, sinless. But he was true God and true man. Now, often if you if you read about theologians when they talk about God, uh, God is all present. God lives outside of time. In in his divinity, he doesn't need time. He you know he has no need of time. There is no time for God. You know that is past, present, and future. Now, if we're going to look at, we're going to understand God and we're going to understand his existence, he exists. He's always present. He's present in the past. He's the same God it is in the present, but he exists outside of it. He's the past and the present and the future is all one to him. Is it's all one to God. You know, for human beings, we have a past, we have a present, and we have a future where it ends. We need time. We are limited. Time is actually something that is limited. Outside of time is infinity. So everything, all the past, the present, and the future is all one to him. You know, it does, you know, it, 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 it's, he's limitless. He can uh, reach out to the past. He can reach out to the present and he can reach out to the future. I mean, it's a very limited way I'm, I'm explaining it, but think about it. God has no need of time, but he came and decided to exist in, among us in time. At the appointed time, as St. Paul says, God came into the world and, and became a man. Okay, let's go to the next one. First we fast, then we feast. Okay, I'm sure a lot of us love that. Some of us too much, including me. <laughs> Advent has been called a little Lent because it traditionally has included a period of increased prayer and fasting and good works. Although the Western Church no longer has set a requirement for fasting during Advent, the Eastern Church, both Catholic and Orthodox, continue to observe what, it known, what is known as Philip's Fast from November 15th until Christmas. I, that's the first time I heard that one, Philip's Fast. 
Traditionally, a great feast has been preceded by a time of fasting, which makes the feast itself more joyful. Unfortunately, Advent today has supplanted by the Christmas shopping season so that by the time Christmas Day comes, many people no longer enjoy the feast or even especially mark the next 12 days of the Christmas season, which has, which lasts until Epiphany, or technically the Sunday after Epiphany, being that the next season, called Ordinary Time, starts on the following on following Monday. You got to remember that a lot of a lot of things, unfortunately, got thrown out. I don't know why. Um, That's why I think that there's some some have abused the Vatican II um, reforms. You know, when this new calendar came in, uh, sort of the traditional Catholic calendar, which unfortunately a lot of um, Vatican II uh, defenders tend to, are very hostile. They're very hostile to a lot of traditional Catholic practices. I mean, when, when I converted, one of the things I noticed um there wasn't there there is there we have no culture that supports the fasting we we here and unfortunately we live in America and we don't live in a culture of you know rituals i mean american catholics actually hate rituals especially the the more liberal ones they you know people talk about fasting like okay give up tv uh give up tv or give up going to the movies or give up my favorite candy bar or give up ice cream or, you know, and it's, and a lot of times, you know, when they do, when they talk about fasting, which is, I hate to say it, I'm guilty of this part. We talk about fasting because we want to diet because people want to lose weight. They're hoping that they can achieve what they want through the so-called Lent or Advent fasting. But honestly, that is not going to work because fasting means also prayer it means also getting to know christ and you're not going to achieve your goal your goal is going to fall apart because it's like right christ said you're going to cling on to one and you're going to despise the other and so you need you need to really first of all um i'm going to say this you got to really get to get to know your faith you got to come to get to know christ um I have, uh, I have to honestly say, I think this, what we've gone through this year has been like a more imposed, um, fast. We were, we were prevented from going to church for a while. A lot of people couldn't go to, to, to Sunday services. Uh, we were, um, we were prevented from receiving the sacraments, the body and blood of the soul divinity of Christ. So in a sense, we were forced. We were forced. We couldn't, we couldn't, we couldn't take part in Easter. We couldn't take part in Easter celebration. We couldn't take part in Holy Week. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, Holy Week, the Holy Week, which is the week that leads up to East, uh, Good Friday, Easter, as that's, that to me is the most important one of all. I always look forward to Holy Week. I always look forward to it. Um, Christmas season, Advent. I've had I've had struggles with it because I've. Um, I don't hate Christmas music. I just hate the commercialism. It 
it has a habit of making me depressed. Uh, a lot of times because you see all these advertisements with smiley people and and warm winter homes with, you know, all this commercial joy and everything. And it just brings me down. <laughs> I don't know why. And what happens is maybe because Christ gets lost in the shuffle of the whole thing. And it's like one commercial holiday song after another. It's like water torture uh, for some reason. And it just ruins it. And then, of course, you know, you know, it, it just gets lost because you just don't see Christ in it. You know, there's no Christ. And, you know, this year is going to be an interesting struggle to see how this goes. But I think, I think it's going to be more toned down probably. Um, but unfortunately it's not going to be very joyful when you can't buy a gift for someone you love because it's, uh, let's face it, I think a lot of people are going to find it very tight, but some people with the money will be able to do it, um, you know, but we'll see. Anyways, let's continue with the article. All right. The symbols of Advent. In its symbolism, the church continues to stress the penitential and preparatory nature of Advent. As during Lent, priests wear purple vestments and the Gloria, glory to God, is omitted. During Mass, the only exception is on the third Sunday of Advent, known as God, uh, Godat Sunday, when priests can wear rose-colored vestments, as on uh, Latre Sunday during Lent. This exception is designed to encourage us to continue our prayer and fasting because we can see that Advent is more than halfway over. All right, that's... I I do believe that um we sh you uh, we all should really do it everything we can to like um I think the scriptural readings are very important. I think the scriptural readings for Advent is very very important. Um like what I'm doing now uh reading it it helps and I think getting getting into the scriptures is very important. I think the gospels um, is very important. I think the only way is, um, you have to go deeper, deeper into your, into the traditions, the traditional rituals. Um, because really, I don't, I don't think we we're going to, we're going to experience Christ if you don't go into a, a more deeper prayer life. Advent is a time of getting to know Jesus again. Um, getting to know him again. And I think in most cases, because I think one of the reasons why we have these rituals, one is I think the candle lighting is very beautiful. I think it's good if you have kids. I think um, getting uh, to help them get to know Jesus, who Jesus is. I know, of course, if they're younger, it, you know, it needs a little bit more, um, I guess, approach uh, for a younger kid. But if you get older, I think the, the the candle lighting for Advent, because during this time of the year, it gets very, very dreary. And I think the reason why candle lighting helps because it brightens up 
it helps to bring cheer. And I think the mute, the songs are, um, especially Advent songs. I don't think there's too many, but there are some probably in other, other, other Catholic cultures, like in Germany and maybe Poland, they probably have more tradition uh, than here in America. Uh, because we're not a homogenous people here in the United States, we're, we're, we're from many different cultures. But I think we should, we need to develop that. I think we need to develop Advent prayers to say every day. Uh, probably beginning each week, you begin a particular prayer, like for the, for set for that week. And then you help the kids to light up. And then you read, maybe you get them to read a certain passage of scripture that you know that can help them go deeper into that that Christ experience because we have tons of beautiful scripture scripture passages and and I think the kids would find it fun and then you know of course we got the rosary and we got the um you know the you know the other prayers that can help out and I think it's good for the kids to do that you know I've seen uh where you know they come together and you know they make the sign of the cross and they, and they, once they go through the story or go through the scripture readings, you know, then they light the candle and maybe they sing an, uh, another Advent song or something. I think these things are very good and I think they should become more tradition because I think without these things, you're kind of like floating out into secular space as, uh, you know, unfortunately with our society the way it is okay so the next one is the advent wreath perhaps the best known of all advent symbols is the advent wreath a custom that originated among german lutherans but was soon adopted by catholics consisting of four candles three purple or blue and one pink arranged in a circle with evergreen bows and often a fifth white candle in the center. The Advent wreath corresponds to the four Sundays of Advent. The purple or blue candles represent the penitential nature of the season, while the pink candle calls to mind the respite of God at Sunday. The white candle, when used, represents Christmas. I think this is a good way of doing it. I mean... I think it is. I think this is this is a good way of, of starting it out, you know. Um, you know, I think. I mean, I, I, I guess maybe you know. I mean, there's no set rules, but you could honestly, as a family, begin some kind of tradition, you know, with that. Uh, celebrating Advent, we can better enjoy Christmas all twelve days of it. If we revive Advent as a period of preparation, abstaining from meat on Fridays or not eating at all between meals is a good way to revive Advent fast. Not eating Christmas cookies or listening to Christmas music before Christmas is another, is another way. We can incorporate customs such as the Advent wreath, the St. Andrew Christmas Novena, and the Jesse tree into our daily ritual and we can set some time aside for special scripture readings for advent which reminds us of the threefold coming of christ holding off on putting up the christmas tree and other decorations is another way to remind ourselves 
that the feast is not here yet. Traditionally, such decorations were put up on Christmas Eve, and they would not be taken down until after Epiphany in order to celebrate the Christmas season in its full. That's, that's, this is what I'm talking about. Because we, we have, we rush into it. I mean, for crying, oh my goodness. They put up the Christmas decorations even before Thanksgiving. And, and, and as soon as, like, just when Thanksgiving is around, before you know it, they're blasting the Christmas music. And a lot of it, of course, like I said, is the secular ones. They just, you know, it's constant rep you know, repetition to the point where, you know, and then of course is the sales, the commercial sales. All right. The commercial sales just drive you nuts. But then again, you got to remember on Thanksgiving day during the parade, the last person to come, uh, you know, down fifth Avenue or down, uh, I'm sorry, may cross Macy's is St. Nicholas Christmas. And I think that's the problem. We let the secular media, and the secular culture hijack it. They hijack the whole thing. You know, I mean, they hijack it to the point where they don't even want to use Christmas. They use holidays. They want it to be something secular. And that's what they've done. And I think we need to take back this and develop customs and traditions that can help, I mean, to balance it off, to make it less uh, oppressive and make it more meaningful and more spiritually meaningful. And I think that's what's important. And I think that this sort of thing with the Advent, Advent reef, the Advent candles and, uh, not setting up, not setting up, um, I think a Christmas tree right away. I think maybe like, um, uh, I personally think that, uh, a nativity, is far more beautiful and more holy. Um, it is. It's supposed to be. It is holy, but not a Christmas tree. Um, but, you know, I think the, the, the term Jesse tree is, is, is a good term. And I think maybe making it more biblical, you know, focusing on the you know, the saga of salvation history. Salvation history is important. Okay. Um, all right. So that was the uh, end of that article. Let's go to the next scriptural readings. Okay. So now we're going to go into uh, the scripture readings for Wednesday. I did it. The first part was of the segment was the scripture readings for Tuesday, which I, which I miss, missed out on. And now I'm doing, going to do the scripture readings for Wednesday. Antiphon. It's from uh, Hebrews chapter 2. The Lord will come and he will not delay. He will illumine what is hidden in darkness and reveal himself to all nations. Prepare our hearts, we pray, O Lord our God, by your divine power, so that at the coming of Christ, your Son, we may be found worthy of the banquet of eternal life and merit to receive heavenly nourishment from his hands, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of the Holy Prophet Isaiah, 
chapter 25. The Lord invites us to his feast and will wipe away the tears from all, from all faces. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will provide for all people a feast of rich food and choice wines. Juicy, rich food and pure uh, choice wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the veil that veils all people. The web that is woven over all nations. He will destroy death forever. The Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces. The reproach of his people he will remove from the whole earth for the Lord has spoken. On that day it will be said, Behold our God to whom we looked, whom we looked to save us. This is the Lord from whom we looked. Let us rejoice and be glad that he has saved us. For the hand of the Lord will rest on this mountain. Okay, that's the end of that. The gospel, the word of the Lord. Sorry, thanks be to God. And uh, it's going to be for the response earlier, it's going to be Psalm 23. And the response is going to be, I shall live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. In verdant pastures, he gives me repose. Beside restful waters, he leads me. He refreshes my soul. I shall live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. He guides me in his right in the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk in the dark valley, I fear no evil, for you are at my side. With your rod and your staff, that gives me courage. I shall live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. You spread the table before me in the right, in the sight of my foes. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. I shall live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Only goodness and kindness follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord for years to come. I shall live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Okay, the gospel reading. The Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Behold, the Lord comes to save his people. Blessed are those prepared to meet him. Alleluia, Alleluia. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. Jesus heals many and multiplies the bread. At that time, Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee and went up on the mountain and sat down there. Great crowds came to him, having with him the lame, the blind, the deformed, the mute, and many others. They placed themselves at his feet, and he cured them. The crowds were amazed when, when they saw the mute speaking, and the deformed made whole, and the lame walking, and the blind able to see, and they glorified the God of Israel. Jesus summoned his disciples and said, my heart is moved with pity for the crowd, for they have been with me now for three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry, for fear they may collapse on the way. The disciples said to him, Where would we ever get enough bread in this deserted place to satisfy such a crowd? Jesus said to them, 
How many loaves do you have? Seven, they replied, and a few fish. He ordered the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish, gave thanks, and broke the loaves, and gave them to the disciples, who in turn gave them to the crowds. They all ate and were satisfied. They picked up the fragments left over, seven baskets full. Gospel of the Lord, praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so... I love Psalm 23. Uh, before my conversion, I actually memorized that psalm. Um, if you're new to the uh, informed Catholic, I was not born Catholic. I actually came from a Muslim background. I um, Palestinian Muslim background. My father Palestinian, my mother Egyptian. Uh, she was raised Christian. Um, I converted um, many, many years later in my uh, adulthood after college. And um, I am not, I do not regret it. <laughs> I'm very happy to be Catholic now and I'm very happy to be uh, a, a Christian and I'm very happy uh, that I have faith in Christ. So I make no apologies uh, for coming in, into the faith of Christ. Definitely not. Um, the... The beautiful thing about it, about the scripture passages we just read, is that God keeps his promises. And um, the first one, of course, uh, you know, Isaiah about, you know, that God, you know, will uh, take the bear and the calf you know, basically these are symbolizing the different nations, the different nations of people who dominate, you know, um, who dominate, you know, who, you know, who, who are basically characterized like the weak and the strong, the, the, the hostile and the gentle. These are opposites. And, you know, the wolf and the lamb, uh, the lion and the lamb. The child, by the um, you know, by the uh, you know the the the, the, the cobra's lair. I mean, fr frightening thing, you know the the idea that you the child being next to a a cobra's lair. You don't want that. You know that was the first uh, the first one we read, and then of course now we get to the part about God giving the world the feast of choice food of choice wine. Um, the word of God, basically it symbolizes the word of God. It's not about just actual physical food, but yes, physical food is important, but human beings need spiritual food and spiritual food to, to, you know, you know, which is the word of God and the sacraments. You know, we need these things to make us Christian, to make, to keep us Christian, because if we don't have these things, it's good just to have the, it's good to have the Bible. But a lot of Christians often have the Bible and there's there's a lot of other stuff you're missing. You could have the Bible, but what about you need to actually put it to practice. A nativity is good. 
uh, certain prayers, set prayers are important. You need to develop these community. You need to give something for people to to grow in their faith. And, you know, the Catholic Church has beautiful rituals. Oh, unfortunately, you know, you go to parish to parish, it, it will vary, you know. I'm, I'm, I know that's that's the sad part about the whole thing. Unfortunately, a lot of, you know, a lot of bishops now who were raised and a lot of priests who were raised in the post-Vatican II uh, in era um, have, you know, uh, made a mess of things. But that doesn't mean, you know, stop being Catholic. No, this is just human error, unfortunately. And I think, you know, uh, it's uh, human ide ideology. You know, you need these things. You definitely need them. Um, you know, and I think, you know, going back to them, like I was trying to say earlier, we need these things in order to develop a Christian identity. And, in, you know, we're we're getting lost, unfortunately, with all the secularism and we need a Christian identity. You know, sorry if I didn't say it correctly before, but we do need these things because if kids have these things and you know, your children, and they go off into the world that is deeply hostile toward faith, they will, they will, they, they will have memories of good, beautiful, holy, religious memories to come back to, to fold back to. And, you know, they will grab hold of it as a lifeline, as a, as a life preserver. And, uh, you know, I think that's that's why we need it. All right. So I have an article and I want to read that. Um, give me a minute. All right. This one is from, again, by the same author, Scott P. Richard. And this one is from about two years earlier, um, February, uh, February 27th, updated. It's uh, 2018. And it's about uh, Philip's fast. Learn about the nativity fast in Eastern churches. I think this is important. For Catholics of the Roman Rite, Advent, the period of preparation for Christmas, begins on the fourth Sunday before Christmas. In most, uh, in most years, that means it starts just three days after Thanksgiving. In the United States, for more uh, on how the date is determined, see when does Advent start. Okay, that... That may help explain why, over the years, Advent has become less a period of preparation for the birth of Christ than a pre-celebration of the Christmas season. Most Christmas parties today are held during Advent, rather than during the 12, 12 days of Christmas, the periods between Christmas Day and, Ep and Epiphany. Combine all that with the, with the hustle and bustle of Christmas, shopping, early gift exchanges, the baking of Christmas cookies, and plenty of eggnog, and too often we may find ourselves on Christmas Day physically prepared, but not spiritually. <laughs> All right. Epiphany is, there's, there's, in the, in the West, we, okay, um, we, we call the, the three wise men visiting our Lord. All right. Uh, technically, the wise men didn't come till possibly two years or three years later, um, if you, you know, by reading the Gospels, uh, the fact that Herod wanted to kill the the infants in Bethlehem under two years of age, 
was because it happened two years after his birth. It didn't, no, you know, the movies do this. I don't know why, like uh, the nativity story or, you know, uh, the nativity that the movie that came out a couple of years ago, which the only biggest, you know, it wasn't very Catholic, but it basically the, the wise men didn't come that night. The star, if most likely could have been a star that night, it doesn't say it, but most likely it could have been the day he was born and the star may have appeared um, every maybe the next two years. We don't know. It doesn't exactly say it, but I don't think it's entirely beyond possibility. But that star that they followed, and it was not just, it was not an ordinary star. It definitely moved because stars just don't move. But anyway, it happened two years later. Um, because remember, in the Gospel of Luke, he had to go through the ritual of circumcision. And he had to, and Mary and Joseph had to go through the ritual of uh, purification. So it didn't happen all in one night, obviously, because Joseph and Mary had to uh, finish that. And also Matthew, when he, he has the story of the three wise men, if you notice, it doesn't say uh, a stable like Luke says it. It has them entering a house and the got the greek word no longer has him as an as a newborn it has him uh, it basically as a toddler or um you know like a, a two years two years of age basically so you know it wasn't all nobody not everybody came the same night the wise men came two years later, at least two and a half years. And Joseph and Mary, after here, you know, after you know, after that incident, and the fact that Herod felt very hostile and insulted, and you know, that these men did not come back, he decided to uh, follow their calendar, which was kill uh, kill every child under two years of age, and the slaughter of the of the young of the innocent happened so you know you need all these you need to you know you know we need to realize all these things the the you know uh because our 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 religious celebration was hijacked it was hijacked by hollywood it was hijacked by um the the commercial industry we need to move away from that and we need to really look closely and see that the reality of Christ, the reality of his life. And, you know, even though we're celebrating these, 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 uh, you know, holidays, because remember, December 25th is his birth. The wise men came much later. That's called the epiphany. Another epiphany is in the East is the baptism of the Lord. And that's called, and, and that one, that's when he, in the Catholic calendar, his private life ended. All right. Christmas ends at his baptism and the public life of Jesus begins. So in the Catholic Church, we have a calendar and we follow it. And, you know, it it brings Christ into our lives every day. We look at the church calendar instead of just living under a secular calendar. And it's, you know, it's something to think to think about. 
All right, so Philip's fast, a time of repentance. Yet Advent is called a little Lent, because like Lent, it is a time of repentance. Both the Western and Eastern churches used to observe Advent with a traditional Latin, uh, Lenten practice, fasting and abstinence, prayer and almsgiving, while fasting during Advent has fallen by the wayside in the West, in the Eastern Orthodox and Eastern Catholic churches continues to observe an Advent fast, Philip's fast named after the Apostle Philip because it begins on November 15th, the day after his feast day, and November 14th in the Eastern, or, or, uh, calendar, uh, Eastern calendar. It runs through Christmas Eve, December 24th, a period of 40 days, marrying uh, marrying Lent. Okay, well, that's something I'm going to remember in the future. Like most fasts in the Eastern churches, Phyllis' fast is fairly strict and includes abstinence from meat, eggs, and dairy products on all weekdays, and fish, oil, and wine on most days. On Sundays and certain feast days, fish, oil, and wine are allowed. Different Eastern churches observe the fast more or less strictly because it extreme fasting can affect your health, you should never increase the strictness of a fast beyond what your particular church prescribes without consulting with your priest, learning from Eastern, from our Eastern brethren. While Roman Rite Catholics are no longer bound to fast during Advent, reviving this tradition of repentance during this season can help us better appreciate our Christmas celebration. Pope John Paul II called on Western Catholics to learn about the traditions of our Eastern brethren, and we can observe Phil's fast in our own way by doing it the same sort of thing we do during Lent, abstaining from meat, especially on Fridays, not eating between meals, restricting the amount of food that we eat, combining these practices with almsgiving. This time of year is particularly hard for the poor, and efforts to increase our prayers and perhaps to spend a bit time in the front of the Blessed Sacrament or to attend weekday Mass you know, uh, when we can. And we can begin to return Advent to its proper role as a season of preparation. When Christmas Day finally arrives, we may find our fast has increased the joy of our feast. Okay, folks. Um, that's... That one, you know, that one I, I think is something to think about. It's not about losing weight, although it does help. It's more about, um, you know, getting closer to Christ. It's all about that. And I think this is something, in a sense, you know, reading the scriptures and having some, you know, beautiful uh, ritual practices. I think it's important. Um, those things are very important. I think we should consider them. And uh, well, I'm going to end it here. Um, I hope that was I hope that was helpful, and I hope we can um, you know we can do this again. I'll try to come back. Sorry about that. I'll, I'll try to come back tomorrow with another episode. All right. So God bless, and we'll be together again soon. Blessed Advent. <laughs>